actions that you're taking in this relationship should be focused on bringing the best out of others, unleashing the best out of others. But what else do they not do? Well, they don't stand by while your best simply sits there, right? Listen, leadership is not a spectator sport. Leadership is not something where you sit on the sidelines. Leadership by nature is something where you get in the arena. And the reason why that is, is because leadership and passivity never coexist. Well, hey there, if we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. And I want to start today's episode with a question that's fairly broad, fairly general, but also incredibly important. And that's because it's a question that really informs everything that we talk about within Path for Growth and certainly by extension, this podcast. The question is, what do leaders do? And while this is a relatively simple question, it's incredible that this simple inquiry can actually be a pretty difficult one to answer. And that's because what I've seen is that so often our perspective, our understanding, and our knowledge of leadership is too often informed by what the world expects us to do instead of what we are actually uniquely responsible to do and called to take part in. And so it's in that context that we need to make sure we actually spend some time thinking about what is the most essential function of leadership to provide the contribution to their organization, their business, their community, the people that they influence and lead in such a way that it creates a great return, because that's obviously what we all want to focus on. So I want you to think about that question for a second. What do leaders do? And it's in that context and in thinking about that that I'd like to submit an answer to you that is equally simple but incredibly important. I believe that leaders unleash the best in others. Now think about this for a second. Leaders unleash the best in others. There's a couple things inherent in this message that I think it's important for us to break down as we jump into this topic of great leaders are great coaches. Number one, we're saying they unleash the best in others. So what are we not saying? They don't simply give the best to others. Right, so it's not this engagement where the leader is an incredibly active personality in the midst of a bunch of passive followers that simply receive what the leader has to give. And that's really important to understand because there's times where leaders not only start to take responsibility for their growth, but they also take responsibility for other people's growth. And we've talked about this before in this podcast. You're responsible to people. You can't be responsible for people. And so if you are constantly seeing yourself as the only active agent in the relationship going on between you and the people you lead, you're perceiving leadership wrong because you're not just simply giving the best in others. Your, your role, your, your primary responsibility, the, the uh, actions that you're taking in this relationship should be focused on bringing the best out of others, unleashing the best out of others. But what else do they not do? Well, they don't stand by while your best simply sits there, right? So we said they unleash the best in others. Yes, they don't just give it to you, but they also don't sit by as a spectator. Listen, leadership is not a spectator sport. Leadership is not something where you sit on the sidelines. Leadership by nature is something where you get in the arena. And the reason why that is, is because leadership and passivity never coexist. 
You may say, okay, well, sometimes you need to be patient as a leader and sometimes you need to wait. Okay, well, the uh, the decision to wait, if made intentionally, is not a passive decision. It's an active and engaged decision. And certainly leadership is an active and engaged activity. And so what I would tell you is, of course, it's not simply pouring yourself out for others when they passively receive everything that you have to give, but it's also you not simply standing by and watching the world go by around you and saying, well, that's just how it is, and I just have to accept that that's how it is. No, it's living in the tension that's somewhere between the imposition of your will and the mere acceptance of reality. Now think about this tension for a second, the imposition of your will. That's called being a freaking control freak, right? It means that I am just going to white knuckle this thing and I'm going to drive it in the direction that I wanna go. I'm going to force people the direction that I wanna go. I'm gonna make this happen under the own force of my willpower without taking any understanding or consideration for the context and the circumstance and other people's passions and needs and background. And so, no, it's not just this strict enforcement of will, but it's also not just this incredible passive acceptance that just says, well, that's how it is. And because that's how it is, that's how it's always going to be. No, leaders live in the tension. And so recognize that if you've signed up for leadership, you've signed up to live in the tension. (laughs) I hope you know what you signed up for, right? Because you're saying, okay, I'm going to have a will and I'm going to see some things that I want to happen in the world. I'm going to have some desires of what I want to bring into the marketplace and bring into my team and what I want for people and what I want to unleash in others. But then associated with all those desires and those dreams and those passions and those visions, we're also going to have a healthy level of acceptance to say, I'm not the ruler of the world, right? And and there's certain things I can control, me, my attitude, my communication, my effectiveness, my competence, the way that I perceive the world, my attitude, my health. There's certain things I can control, all of those things, but then there's certain things that I can't control. And I used to have a mentor that used to tell me all the time, it was the advice that he probably gave me the most in the time that I spent with him. And it was the most simple and also the most frustrating, but probably also the most necessary advice. He'd just look at me and I swear there were multiple times in a conversation where he'd just look at me and be like, Alex, you can't control what you can't control. And so I'm telling you right now, you can't control what you can't control. But think about the flip side of that. You can control what you can control. And that's a pretty cool thing. Now, this word control can be really interesting from a spiritual perspective, because I think sometimes it raises all these questions of like, okay, well, isn't God the one that's in control if if you're a believer? And you don't have to believe the same thing as me. But if you do, you, you know, you start to ask the question, okay, well, isn't God in control? So should I even really be using the word control at all? And And if you want to, you can replace the word control with stewardship, but recognize that, yes, God is in control, believe me. And don't worry, you're not going to take that control from him. He's just fine, right? And probably kind of laughs at the idea that you could think to take that control of him, right? But, But 
I mean, God, what is God? Well, he's an incredible example of sovereign, benevolent leadership, right? Because he takes some of that control and he doesn't hoard it for himself. He allots it to others and he says, man, there are people that I've put on the earth to renew and revitalize creation. And so in the in the process of doing that, I'm going to give them things to steward and to manage. So let's not get confused here. I am not an owner. You are not an owner when everything's said and done. We are simply managers of the creation that God has allotted to us. And what's so cool about this is the Bible says that he who can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. So I think this whole idea like, oh, well, I'm I'm not in control. God's in control. So I'm just going to be hands off reckless with everything in my life. That's not very spiritual at all, right? No, I, I, I really do believe God gave you some things that you are supposed to effectively steward and manage in a disciplined and self-controlled way, right? What are the fruit of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Now, self-control, that's an interesting injunction about the fact that what are you supposed to control? Well, you're supposed to control the things within and related to yourself. What does that not say? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and the control of others. That's Turns out the control of others isn't a fruit of the spirit. And so I tell you all that to say that, that leaders unleash the best in others. And by signing up to do this, we need to understand that we're living in this tension of we can't impose our will on others because it turns out that doesn't work. But we also can't just passively accept that, oh, things are just that way. And so that's the way they're always going to be because that's not being a leader, that's being a victim. But then the other thing that I think that that answer to the question gives us is it gives us a couple of fundamental beliefs that we need to have as leaders if we're going to do our job effectively. Because think about it, leaders unleash the best in others. Well, what are some of the fundamental beliefs that have to be true for you to ascribe yourself to unleashing the best in others? Well, uh, number one, a leader believes that your best is in you. And, and that's actually a pretty unique idea, right? Because leaders are these people that walk around and see a bunch of people. And yes, they see people that are incredibly valuable. And because what that means is that leaders are people that walk around and they see a bunch of people, they see a bunch of team members, they see a bunch of friends that um, have all of these skills and all of these talents and and they they value them for who they are, but they also have this underlying belief that, man, your best is yet to come. And your best is not something that's gonna come from outside of you and be thrust upon you in fact, your best is in you because you're unleashing the best in others, right? Leaders are not focused on making you something that you're not. Leaders are focused on making you into more of what you actually are. Oh, well, that's a pretty big idea. I mean, and that actually connects to our mission at Path for Growth directly. Think about it. We say it all the time on this podcast. This is why our business exists. We exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be. We're not focused on taking the people in our program and making them something radically different. The last thing I want is for us to reform everyone in my nature and my character, right? Because the, the last thing that the world needs is more versions of me. No, we need you to be you, right? There's already a me and there's already a you. So we don't need more yous on your team. We need more of the people on your team to be the people on their team. And so what you've got to have this belief as a leader is that people's best is inside of them. 
And that's such a thrilling realization because if you have this sense that everyone has this best is yet to come thing inside of them, that there's potential inside of people, that there's unleashed and uncovered passion inside of people, that there's strengths that aren't fully tapped, that there's dreams that haven't fully been realized. And that exists within every single soul that you get to interact with every single day. Well, what does that do? It enlivens and engages you in the possibility associated with every single day because it means that every single day is a possibility to unleash potential. It means that every single day you could help someone, not do it to them, but help them open their eyes to the fact that the best is inside of them. It's not something that some organization is going to do for them. It's not something that they're going to go out and get. It's something that is inside of them. Socrates used to say that learning is often remembering. And isn't that so true? that the greatest lessons that we need to learn are not the ones that we find in a book or in a podcast or on Google, but the greatest lessons that we need to learn are often the ones we find inside ourselves. And so your best is in you. And again, if you're a believer, right, uh, we would call this the Holy Spirit, right? That God put a piece of his divine nature inside every single human being and we were made in him his image. And that's a, a pretty remarkable idea because what that idea means is that there is a piece of God inside of every person that you interact with. And what if you were to play part of the role of bringing that piece out so that the world gets to experience it? So the best is in you and the best is in others. It's not outside others, it's within others. What else is a belief that's kind of found in that idea of leaders unleash the best in others? Well, the best is possible. And so this is directly related to the idea of hope, right? So not only do leaders believe that your best is in you, and if you're a leader, you're believing that the best is in your team, you're believing that the best is possible for your team. You really have to have this conviction for people, and it starts with having this conviction for yourself, but once you have this conviction for yourself, well, then you've got to apply this to others, is that, man, not only is your best in you, your best is possible, right? And, and again, that should bring a whole new level of passion to your work as a leader. You should never be lacking a vitality and energy as a leader if you think that everyone you talk to, there's best that's in them that hasn't yet been tapped into. And not only is best in them uh, and it hasn't been fully realized or utilized, it's possible for it to be fully utilized or more utilized and more realized. Now, of course, this is a never-ending journey. And I just truly believe that the, the greatest realization of this won't occur this side of heaven, but, but we get to participate in the process of recreating and renewing ourselves and becoming more of what we could be because it's kind of related to that idea that Jordan Peterson talks about is like, I've got bad news for you and I've got good news for you. Bad news, you are not what you could be. And the people you work with, they are not what they could be. But then there's also good news. You are not what you could be. And the people around you, they are not what they could be. And what's so cool is it, it's not want to be, it's not would be, it's not might be, it's you could be. There's something that you could be spiritually. There's something that you could be financially. There's something you could be intellectually. There's something that you could be academically. There's something that you could be physically. There's something you could be as a spouse. There's something that you could be in your career that you are not currently, and you get to play a role in the process of becoming that thing. 
And man, that, that, I mean, that fires me up as the host of this podcast. That's why we do this podcast, right? That's why, I mean, that's why this whole business exists. But then beyond that, like we get to sit here as leaders and we get to tell people that message. We get to be the people that are championing that message in the world where we get to walk around and, and we get to say, oh my gosh, you're not what you could be. And, and I love who you are, but I also love who you could be. Think about what a powerful idea that is to fall in love with who someone is, but also to fall in love with who someone could be. To be someone that believes in people even when they don't believe in themselves. That's such a powerful thing. I'll tell you, this business wouldn't exist if I didn't have leaders in my life who believed that I could own a business effectively before I did. Truly, I have, I have some incredible mentors who, who looked me in the eye and, and told me when I doubted them, oh, you can absolutely do this. And, and there were times where I didn't have that degree of belief or faith in myself, and maybe it was even belief and faith in God. And so I had to borrow some of their belief and recognize that there's people on your team, there's people in your community, there's people in your family that need to borrow some of your belief. And so you need to not only believe that the best is in people, you need to believe that the best is possible. And then finally, what do leaders believe? Well, they believe that the best simply needs to be unleashed. So, so it's in you, it's possible, and so we just need to unleash it. And think about that term, unleash. It's the idea that like, man, it's trying to come out, but there's things that are holding it back. And... Those things that are often holding it back is, oh, what will people think? Or, man, I, I doubt myself. Or, I don't know that I can actually do that. Or, I don't know if I'm enough to be able to do that thing. Or, man, I, no one in my family has ever been that confident or that bold. Or, man, I, I just don't know if I have what it takes, right? It's all these doubts. It's all these limiting lies. And so often, uh, I mean, peripherally, it can look circumstantial, right? And it can look like your resources or your education. But really, Really, those are all ancillary things to the internal realities that are often the doubts that we have about ourselves. And so often what I've seen is the greatest limiting factor to someone effectively taking on their role as leader and specifically as impact-driven leader is their inability to see themselves as a leader. And so what you get to do for people as a leader is tell them like, man, you're, you're not just a follower. You've got some leadership responsibility. And so you've got to believe if you're going to step into this role as leader, number one, the best is in people, right? It's in them. It's not outside them. It's in them. Number two, it's possible. And then number three, it needs to be unleashed. And man, if you've got those beliefs associated with the idea that leaders unleash the best in others, well, gosh, you've got the type of living that lasts a lifetime. And this has nothing to do with your job. I'm not talking about your job. I'm talking about the fact that you're a leader, right? And leader goes way beyond an org chart. Leadership goes way beyond an occupation. Leadership goes beyond whether you're retired or not, because if someone depends on you, then you are a leader. And so if we can adopt this mindset of we get to unleash the best in others, well, man, you want to bring a, a new level of 
energy and passion and excitement to your day. Be about the business of doing these things. And so it's in that context of unleashing the best in others and associated with those three beliefs that leaders use a wide variety of tools and tactics and principles and practices and approaches to accomplish what they're trying to do. And many of those tools, tactics, principles, and approaches, everything from effective delegation to leadership development to organizational structure to process improvement to personal development, those are all things that we talk about on this podcast. And they're all focused on that idea of, okay, we're gonna unleash the best in others. And then what that's, and that's what we're called to do. But it's in that context that one of the things that I think is often overlooked but needs to be understood is that the best leaders wear a wide variety of hats. So not only do they rely on a diverse array of principles and practices and tools and tactics and approaches, they wear several different hats. And this is really important because I think sometimes we think that the only hat you need to wear if you're going to be a leader is the hat of vision caster, where you're on a stage and you're giving this grandiose message about what people need to do. And then everyone leaves so inspired that they just go do it. And I will tell you, I've worked with some pretty remarkable leaders. And some of the leaders that I've worked with, that was probably one of their, if not their greatest strength was vision casting. And certainly that, I mean, that's a really good tool to have in the tool belt of a leader. But I will tell you that it was not the totality of their impact, right? The totality of their impact came from the entire array of the hats that they wore, not just the single hat of vision caster that they wore occasionally. And so, yes, there are times where you as leader need to wear the hat as vision caster, but what other hats do you need to wear as leader? Well, you might need to wear the hat of manager. You might need to wear the hat of CEO. You might need to wear the hat of mediator. You might need to wear the hat of facilitator. You might need to wear the hat of friend. Some of, some of you sometimes might need to wear the hat of father and mother. And then it's in that context of all these hats, vision caster, manager, CEO, mediator, facilitator, friend, that there's another hat that we're going to focus on for the remainder of this episode, but also for several episodes to come. And that is the hat of coach. Listen to me real quick. Great leaders are great coaches. And I want you to really think about that for a second, because this is one of the hats that you need to wear if you're going to be an effective leader. You need to learn and constantly approve upon your ability to be a great coach, because it's one of the hats that you will need to wear if you are going to effectively unleash the best in others. Now, is it the only hat you need to wear? Absolutely not. But it's really, really, really important that you understand what it looks like to be a great coach. And then you apply yourself to a consistent, regular rhythm of application and improvement with regard to you playing the role as coach. And this is really fun for me to talk about because our organization is a coaching organization. It's what we do, right? And so I, I'm really, really excited to walk into this because truly, I mean, just to let you a little bit behind the curtain, we are creating this content because we believe all great leaders are great coaches, but it's also because we are on the road towards developing other coaches, right? We have three coaches on our team right now, and we're actively working on adding more to our team. And one of our models 
models is that, man, everyone that coaches business owners on our team is going to be someone that has either owned a business or currently owns a business. And so that means one of the things that we're going to have to do is take these people that have never been formally trained in coaching, they've only been trained in formally owning a business, and we're going to take them and say, okay, well, now how do we apply ourselves to a curriculum of coaching others? Because there is a difference from owning a business to coaching others to own a business, although many of the things translate, right? But, you know, I I almost hate the word coach right now, and, and our, my team knows this. I, we've thought about looking for other words, but I think it is the best word for what we're doing right now. The, the thing is, is that the word has kind of been ruined by a lot of people in our space. And I could go on a whole rant on this, and I'm not going to, I hope, or at least I don't think, but just... Have you noticed that it seems like everyone on LinkedIn right now is a coach of something? Someone added me on LinkedIn the other day and they were an embodiment coach. What does that even mean? Like, what, what are you talking about? And, and one of the things that I've noticed is that a lot of the people uh, that I've seen operating in this space, it doesn't seem like their deep-seated passion is for unleashing the best in others. It seems like their deep-seated passion is for being able to get paid to tell people what to do. And <laughs> God, that drives me freaking crazy. It's one of the reasons why our business exists in this space is because uh, like, there's so much other stuff in this space that is just total crap. It's just awful, right? And it's just people saying, oh, I've got this secret. I've got all this advice. And if you just come and spend some time with me, then I'll be willing to share my wonderful advice and my wonderful outlook on the world with you. And I'm gonna teach you how to... 10x your business in 20 days, right? It's just, it's just so dumb and it's not true. And it's creating all of these weird things where we start idolizing these personalities instead of recognizing the reality that your best is in you. And that if, you, if I'm being an effective coach, my job is not to make you worship me. My job is to make you hopefully worship God. And in the process of worshiping God, bring out the best in you. And so that's one of the reasons why we get really passionate about coaching is because so much of the coaching that's out there right now is so bad. <laughs> but there's so much opportunity that means for doing coaching that is so good. Because I've coincided, I mean, many of our customers, I've coincided with many of our customers that have had really bad experiences with coaches. And uh, I get really excited when someone comes to us as having had a really bad experience with a coach or maybe even just not a good experience with a coach because I hope that our organization, and we have a track record for doing this now, gets to redeem that experience because a, a coach can be that person for people and in people's lives, and this is what you get to do for people and in people's lives that can remind people, hey, your best is in you and your best is possible and we simply need to unleash it. And so it's in that context that we're going to walk through over the next several weeks what I believe to be five qualities of effective coaching. And this is going to be really fun content to walk through because it's simple in nature, but incredibly important to continuously apply. And one of the things that I like to focus on a lot whenever we do team trainings or leadership development sessions with people is the fact that much of our content is not trying to necessarily revolutionize things. A lot of times we're just trying to optimize things. 
we're trying to tweak the way we do things sometimes. And we're trying to make sure that we're refocusing on things. And sometimes that one of the greatest roles of leader is to be the chief reminder. And so we're not going to take things that we never knew and make them things that we knew. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of applying and acting upon the things that we already know. And so, yes, that's what we get to do on this podcast. That's what our coaches get to do for people. But that's also what you get to do for your people. And so it's in that context that over the next several weeks, we're going to walk through five qualities of effective coaching. And I'm going to give them to you high level here real quick so that you've got something to look forward to. Um, The five qualities of effective coaching that we teach our team members that we are continuing to use uh, to develop path for growth coaches within our organization. And that if you want to be a coach of people on your team, if you want to be a leader that just doesn't develop followers, but develops other leaders, if you want to take part in the incredible adventure of unleashing the best in others? Well, these are five qualities to cultivate and focus on. Number one is relational. You know this quote, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And so you've got to be really, really good at the art of relationship. And I'm not just talking about this shallow level of, oh, it's not a transaction, it's a relationship. I think that that's an incredibly important principle. But I'm talking about how good are you with people? Like, are you the type of person that can have an enthralling conversation with anyone? Are you the type of person that when you leave a coffee, when you leave an Uber ride, when you leave a meal with someone, when you leave a dinner party, when you leave a meeting, people realize, and they may not even know why, they just feel better about themselves, and they don't even know what happened. They just say, man, I, I, don't, I don't know what happens. Just whenever that person's around, I, I, just, I just feel like I'm more capable. I feel like I'm more confident. I feel like I'm more faithful. I feel like I'm more passionate about life. Are you that type of person that you can do that? Because I will tell you, I mean, it's a John Maxwell principle. People forget the things you tell them, but they remember the way that you made them feel. And so, no, we're not just talking about this basic relationship level of can you do small talk? And, and I want you to be able to do small talk, but let's go beyond that a little bit and say, how good are you at the art of relationship? And so that's what we're going to talk about in that episode is really, if you're going to be a coach, you need to be really, really good at the art of relationship. The second quality is curious. So effective coaches are relational. And then number two, effective coaches are curious. Listen to me for a second. Good coaches give answers to people. Great coaches extract answers from people. We're talking now about the fact that good leaders ask great questions. That's a title of a John Maxwell book, I think, and it's such a relevant idea because if you're going to be a great coach, it's not going to be because you have all of this information that you are now bestowing upon the people that follow you. It's going to be because you have become practiced about asking the timely question in the right situation to bring the best that is inside of people out of them. Most people have the answers they need. They just don't know it yet. And the only way to help them find those things is curiosity. So yes, you're going to be relational, but you're also going to be curious. Number three, you need to be assertive. 
And this is where I'll tell you, I mean, I'm giving you the playbook for path for growth coaching, right? And so we're using this to develop our team. And this is something that I talk to our team about a lot. It's something that I focus on for myself a lot. There's a lot of coaching organizations, and I'm sure they're fine people. And and I understand where they're coming from. But it just kind of seems like it's not really a coaching session. It seems like it's more of a kumbaya circle, right? It's just like, oh, we're just going to sit here and talk about your feelings. And I'm not going to challenge anything you say. And, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to press in. I'm not going to assert myself at all. I'm just going to be this passive recipient of everything that's going on in your life. And, uh, (laughs) I mean, it's fine if you do that. I just think you're wrong, right? I think if people are hiring you to be their coach, or if they're asking you to be their coach, or certainly if they are following you as their leader, so they want you to be their coach, they're asking you to sometimes assert your Yourself. And so I have no problem with in the right moment, in the right context, when it's true, telling people you're wrong, or I disagree with you, or that's not true, or you're looking at this the wrong way, or you can't do that, or you can do that, or don't you dare say that. I have no problem telling people that. Now, again, it's context sensitive, and that's what we'll talk about in that content and in that episode. But sometimes if you're going to be a great leader, you need to be a great coach. And if you're going to be a great coach, you need to be assertive. Don't just sit around as a spectator while people make all these horrible decisions that ruin their life and leadership. No, assert yourself. Say, that's not true. Because we need people to challenge us. I need people to challenge me. I have a coach in my life that I talk with him once a month. And there's sometimes where he says, like, Alex, I think you're saying this wrong. And there's other times where he doesn't just say, I think you're seeing this wrong. He says, you're seeing this wrong. That's assertive. And those are sometimes some of the most helpful conversations. So no, we're not always just going to ask questions. Sometimes we're going to assert ourselves. We're going to be relational. We're going to be curious. We're going to be assertive. And also, by the way, one of the things we're going to talk about is how to discern when to be curious and when to be assertive, because that can be really, really challenging. And of course, I don't have the the secret sauce to that necessarily, but I I do have some tools that I've learned can be helpful for discerning. The next one is really, really important. It's also one that's often lacking in this space and that leaders often don't focus on as well is that great coaching is directional. Listen, leadership is taking people from here to there. And so by the end of any coaching conversation, we need to be taken somewhere. And this is what we tell all of our coaches at Path for Growth is you are responsible for taking people somewhere. We are going to leave this call with a series of actions or decisions that we're going to take or make. And that's so important, right? We need to take people somewhere. We are moving in a direction. We are not just talking randomly about all these things that are going on. We're going to tell you where we're going to go. Then we're going to go there. And then we're going to tell you where we went because great coaching is directional. And that's really important to remember. And then finally, and this is again related to the flavor of coaching that we practice at Path for Growth. uh, Well, great coaching is principle-based. And so this is really, really important to remember, and this is a principle related to principles. So it's kind of a meta principle. Solving a problem helps you today. Learning a principle helps you forever. Okay, so when people come to us in coaching conversations and they want to focus on solving a problem, of course, we want to help them solve a problem, and we can often do that with them. But one of the things we like to train our coaches to do is that in the context of helping people solve their individual problem, 
help them lift their eyes above to see the overarching principle. And so we'll spend a lot of time on this because this is something that I think that is a strength of mine that I'm starting to come more to terms with. It's something that was honestly an unrecognized strength of mine that I didn't even realize I had it. I've started to come more to terms with it. And one of the things that I've often found people struggle with with regard to their greatest strengths is that it can be really hard to teach and to train. And that's what I found with this is although I'm good at it, I've never really thought about how or why I do it just because I I I think it's just kind of a wiring thing and it's something I'm very grateful to God for because he's blessed me with it but now we want to develop other people with it and so what we're going to focus on in that episode that I think is going to be so good I'm so excited to write that content is how do we not only lift our own eyes but also other people's eyes above the day-to-day problems to see the overarching principles and how do we equip people with the ability to discern principles for themselves. Because, man, if you can develop people to start to see principles instead of problems, you'll change their life. And I think it's essential to unleashing the best in others. And so that's why we focus on training our coaches to do that. But it's also why we want to develop you as leaders that should be wearing the hat of coach to do that as well. So let's review real quick. We said that great leaders unleash the best in others. And that means that they believe that the best is in others. It's inside them. It's also possible, but then also beyond the fact that it's in others and the fact that it's possible, uh, it, it just needs to be unleashed. And so how do we do that? Well, we do it through a variety of ways. And one of the things that we need to understand is we need to wear several hats. And one of the hats that we need to wear is coach. And the five qualities of effective coaching are relational, curious, assertive, directional, and principle-based. So I'm so excited because this episode is going to serve as the foundation that we can constantly come back to and refer to uh, that will lay the basis for what we're going to jump into in greater detail. And the way we're going to lay out these future episodes is, okay, we said one of the qualities is relational. Well, now how do we bring that into practice? And so if you're not yet subscribed to the podcast, obviously we'd love for you to be able to do that. Also, one of the things that I'd let you know um, is that in, in addition to releasing these episodes, we're going to be releasing some Worth It Wednesday content that is kind of in conjunction with this topic. I'm going to be writing some of that. It's not going to be every single week, but it's something that's on my mind and heavy on my heart right now. So we are going to be writing about it a lot. And so if you're not part of the Worth It Wednesday community, that's an email that we send every week with a principle worth learning, a question worth answering, and a recommendation worth taking. And we'll put the link to sign up for that email list. It's a growing email list, which is really exciting in the show notes of this episode. Y'all, we're rooting for you. We want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.